Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Blog Talk Radio. to my w sports sports monday on this very first monday of december Luis sanchez kyle westcott uh erica ayala should be joining us shortly kyle it's been an exciting week in, in sports and I, I know you're excited to get to our show uh but tell me how your week has been we, we have a lot to get to well i mean i'll start with the weekend it was incredible to see both the nwhl and the cwhl in action and when we're talking about going out and, and fans go see these games, I mean, if, if you missed any of these games this past weekend, you missed some unbelievable action. And we're going to get to that all today. Absolutely. And, and you talked about hockey. There were some great basketball games on, a lot of volleyball on, which I know we'll get to a little later. Um, but yeah, some, some incredible things. You have a new NCAA College Cup champion. As Kyle alluded to, CWHL weekend wrap-up coming up, NWHL news, NCAA hockey. It's been, I don't even know what kind of year. It's been an up-and-down year for the top and bottom teams. Uh, Good to see the parity in the game. I know that's a a tough word, but it's great to see the competition, I guess, is better. Uh, But, again, NCAA basketball. And, again, stick around later on for our volleyball special with Kyle Westcott and myself. But let's bring it over to Kyle for the fun fact of the week. Yeah, fun fact of the week actually got to see one of these with two wins this weekend for the Boston pride. They have now won 19 straight games and that passes the 1992, Pittsburgh Penguins, previously the most in professional hockey. So congratulations to the Boston pride for the winningest, the most uh, wins consecutively in professional hockey. That's awesome. And you know what, Kyle, that streak can't continue they are on winter break, but, I mean, 19, let's double that, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no end in sight, in my opinion. <laughs> 
And Erica's not here right now, but around the leagues, we have some national pro fast pitch. If you remember that interview with uh, Sherry <laughs> Kemp of the commissioner of NPF, the national pro fa- uh, fast pitch, she talked about expansion. We'll try to get to some more details uh, as talks become to, you know, begin, begin to heat up on that. We also have some NWSL expansion talks, which have come to light this past week and we know that there have been some expansion talks for the league as well and some Canadian women's and the Canadian women's soccer league they're deciding to unionize the big news coming out of uh, team Canada right now so we'll get to that a little bit later but let's start with some hockey it's been it's been an action-packed weekend with uh, both professional and college hockey let's start with the CWHL Kyle we both were able to see the Boston Blades this weekend take on one of the one of the top teams in the CWHL and less Canadians than Montreal. And I think it went as expected. If you remember, uh, our, our, our listeners, if they remember, um, we had an over and under bet on the scoring in this matchup. And I think, Kyle, you were the winner? I was. I was the winner winner. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it chicken, maybe a poutine dinner winner winner poutine dinner uh i had the over of of over 11 and this past weekend not to my enjoyment i'm not sure because I never like to lose uh but they did lose uh both five nothing on saturday and 10 to nothing which i happened to be watching live on sunday so it was a it was a joyous occasion for me to win. I always enjoy winning. Uh, it's one of my faults, but um, it was all a pain weekend as a Blades fan. And, you know, I think it's no surprise to some of our fans that we, we, we're based in Boston. You know, we have some Boston bias. And let's first talk about that first game, Kyle, because, you know, it, for, for the Blades, for the most part, uh, at the beginning of the season, it was, it was always that second game where they played you know, much, much better. But in this matchup, it was the first game where they played really well. And, yeah, 5-0 is a tough score to say, hey, they played really well. But in a second period against a team that's, that, as you mentioned, scored 10 on them the next day, uh, they shut down Montreal. They, they held Montreal, although Montreal won the shot count 13-2, they held them off the scoreboard. And it was a 2-0 lead going into the third. Boston just couldn't find their offense. Lauren Dam, she only made 26 saves, which is one of her fewest of the season against Les Canadiens, uh, but they did get three more. Uh, Poudry scored her second goal of the season, her second goal of the match. Carolyn Ouellette, she's been phenomenal. We'll talk a little bit about her in a second, but she scored a shorthanded goal for her ninth goal of the season, and just 51 seconds later, and, uh, and Sophie Batez, she scores her sixth of the year, another shorthanded goal on the same penalty. Um, so I'll tell you what I saw, Kyle. I, I just I saw a better defense in game one. I just I was wondering where the offense was coming from, and they shut down Megan Greaves on the wing, which is what you do to kind of prevent her from scoring. So I didn't see anybody else try to step up in that matchup. What were your thoughts? Remember that, yes, they were down 2 nothing after about a minute into the game, but they didn't give up another goal for, for 39-plus more minutes until they went to the third period. So defensively, I agree. I think that they played very well against the best that the Lays Canadians have to offer. I mean, they had uh, – in goal, they had Marie Philippe Poulin uh, shooting on on Dahmer the whole whole time there, and uh, they were able to hang in there. And, and you know it was nothing as you said, 
going into the third period. So, um, you know, I, I do think that this was a, a better outcome for them than what we've seen. And, and I would say even I, what I expected in this game. Um, but you're right. They, there needs to be more offense. There needs to be somebody else helping out Greaves uh, on the offensive end because there's no control of the puck in their own in the uh, offensive zone. They're they're getting the puck into the zone and they're not able to really control it and pass it around. What I saw, you know, on on Sunday was a team that just when they when they're five on five when they're full strength, if they dump it in, the the Lays Canadians are able to get behind the net and disrupt any sort of movement of the puck uh, for the Blades and and they really need to work on having either some more option coming out of the backside of the, the goal or uh, just being able to really uh, fill the lanes and, and just attack the net without going behind the, the back of the net. And they need to pick which one, which team they're going to be. Take a second to welcome in Eric Ayala. Obviously great to have you back EA. Um, we're talking about the blades and less Canadians. It was obviously uh, Kyle who was the winner of our little uh <laughs> podcast wager so he's been gloating a little bit but um we're talking I about mean, this but game are you, you really the... winning though are you really winning there <laughs> no no really and that's what i said home team. <laughs> it, it was an it was a win but it was not an enjoyable win that's for sure <laughs> fair enough <laughs> absolutely so but cal in that in that second game you saw a different less canadians team they put Ooh. 61 shots on goal now before we get to the goal scores, this is all done without Marie-Philippe Poulin. I mean, this team, their death is, is one of the things that makes them so great, isn't it, this year? Yeah, and I mean, I would say that their goaltender, Heron, did a great job as well, but I'm not 100% sure because she only had to see five shots. Um, so, I mean, she looked solid. She stopped everything that came her way. But, but again, if the Blades aren't going to attack offensively, you know, you, you're you're not going to be able to beat very many, if any, of these WHL teams without scoring goals. I mean, we've talked a lot about how uh, how much of a good scoring team the Inferno are, the the Thunder are, the Lays Canadiens, and, and I even say Toronto, and we'll talk more about them in a little bit. They're going to score continuously as well. And so, if you're not putting goals in, you're not going to be able to compete with with the CWHL teams. Now, in this matchup, Kaylin Ouellette, she had four goals. That moves her to 299 career CWHL points, which is the most all-time. She's one point away from an amazing plateau of 300 career points, uh, which, you know, I, I guess is, is something that we didn't really hear much about coming into the weekend. But is it because of her great weekend, Kyle? Because she also had a goal in game one. Yeah, I mean, when you put up four goals in a game, uh, my goals are going to come much quicker than you expected. So I don't know that they expected it to be uh, this soon. Um, but, I mean, she just had such a dominant performance on specifically on Sunday that, uh, you know, you have to just tip your cap to her because she was amazing on Sunday. EA, when you have somebody on the verge of this kind of – momentous occasion. Do you think, I mean, the next matchup we're going to see, I believe is Calgary 
versus Montreal at the Bell Center. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, um, I mean, if, if the question is, you know, what is the protocol? I think everyone kind of handles it differently. Um, as a competitor, I mean, you, you want to get the, you want to get the record, I'm sure, but you don't want it given to you. Um, and, you know, if this were baseball, you know, no one really wants to be that guy um, or in softball, you know, that woman who gives up, you know, the career home run. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things that once it's done, she'll be happy that it's done. So then she can just focus. Um, but the way she's been playing, I don't know that uh, whatever her, her particular stance is on it, I don't know that it will matter, um, nor will it matter how the other team feels about it. Cause she's on a tear. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, one of the coolest moments I ever got to experience was calling a BC game with Emily Falzer, uh about to hit the 100-point club. And, you know, as a defense player she did it from the blue line and you know it was an incredible it was incredible to do a goal call for Emily Falzer from the point for one her 100th career point at BC that that you know so I can't wait to hear this game and the goal call and, and you know what happens as you mentioned there are times where competitors kind of pause for a moment to celebrate what what an occasion means to the game and I think that's what will happen here I'm really excited to watch this game against Calgary and uh in Montreal Calgary actually had the weekend off uh, so they'll be very well prepared for this Montreal team. Yeah, and we'll talk a lot about Emily Falzer and perhaps even ceremonial uh, moments in sport when we get to the other hockey league in the North America. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Kyle, anything else you wanna you wanna touch on before we move on from the Blades and less Canadians? Because I had I had quite the game between Brampton and Toronto. No, I would say I think it's a good. Uh... Canadians to get back on the offensive uh, side of, of of hockey, heading into questionably, uh, arguably the best game, best matchup that they're going to face. They haven't faced Calgary yet, and ho- hopefully they can carry over some of these goals into next weekend when they face the Inferno. Absolutely. It's going to be a really exciting matchup to watch. Catch the action on MyWSports.com or at MyWSport on social media. All right, so Kyle, I mean, you know Brampton and Toronto are rivals. They're, they're so close to each other. They're not really big fans of each other. Um, these two teams played an incredible game on Saturday. And, it, you know, the Thunder, a lot of people had them kind of written off after their start, but it seems like they've gotten their, you know, they're clicking on, on all cylinders now. Liz Knox, she was phenomenal in that. Uh, the Thunder outshot the Furies 36-20. to 20. Uh, Brampton took a 2-0 lead. Beck and Knight made it 3-0, excuse me, 3-1 in the second. Uh, but and then, you know, the Furies, they're not a team that are going to give up really, really quickly. So Nat Spooner, she comes back into the matchup and brings the Furies within one. Uh, but Laura Stacy, who scored the first goal, she scored the second, or she scored her second of the game, uh, but and then kind of put it away at the end. Now, I want to talk about this game, but there was also something that happened towards the end I'll get to. So first, let's talk about the game. Um, Kyle, we kind of rid off the thunder a little bit. It seems like they, you know, they're starting to click a little bit now. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know why anybody would. I think when they get their offense going, they're a very strong team. And again, I back last year and and they were very close to knocking off Calgary 
um, in the semifinals going uh, for the Clarkson Cup last year. So um, I think Frampton is a very good team. And, and I don't think that, that Knox has played her best uh, in goal so far this year. And, and if she can turn that around and if she can become the consistent force that, that she can be, uh, they're going to hang in there with every team, whether it's whether it's Montreal or or Calgary or Toronto. And Kessler, she picked up the loss in this matchup, getting a lot of shots on that. We talked about Kessler, especially in that matchup against Les Canadiens. Seemed like she was playing really well. Um, did did the Thunder kind of scout her enough? Well, they obviously scouted her enough, but did, what did they do kind of to, to put thirty six shots on net? Well, I, I just think that that's their M.O. is to put on net and make the, the other opposing goaltender make the stops. And um, if they can if they can get their offense going, they're going to put up 30-plus, probably closer to 40 shots every game. Um, and that's how they're going to score a lot of goals. Absolutely. So, all right, so I alluded to it a little bit. Things got a little, a little physical in this matchup towards the end. Um, there was some roughing penalties with just uh, just over a minute left. Uh, with 10 seconds left, there was a big hit in front of uh, Liz Knox with Michaela Cava and Courtney Burchard um, going to the box for some roughing penalties. And then after the whistle, um, things got a little hectic and chaotic in front of Liz, Liz Knox yet again, resulting in four penalties after the whistle for Toronto and four <clears throat> penalties after the whistle for Brampton. And two of these, well, excuse me, five in total, two of these other penalties is what I really want to get into. Michelle Saunders uh, and Liz Knox, they were given major misconducts after the game for contact to the head. Um, things, so it, it seemed like someone, you know, someone was chirping, and then the players got together. There was some pushing and shoving. Liz Knox kind of took exception to it and left her crease. And I, I, I you know, put this in our rundown, but quote unquote, I didn't, I didn't know there was a penalty for quote unquote goalie leaving the crease. Um, but she was trying to defend some players in her defense. She was going through some players' defense. Um, but these two players, Michelle Saunders and Liz Knox, they were actually suspended for game two. Now this is the first time I've kind of seen this take place besides in the NWHL with um, the new regulations and the player safety uh, committee that's been put together. So wanted to get both of your thoughts on kind of, I don't know if you, you've been able to catch up with this or, um, or what, but thoughts on the physicality between Toronto and Brampton. Well, I, I thought that Canadians were polite. Uh, what happened with uh, what happened with this? There was, there's an old time hockey fight here going on. <laughs> Um, no, I, I just think that, as you said, uh, people are frustrated, um, and you're going to defend your teammate. And I don't blame uh, either Saunders or Knox for, for coming in and defending their teammates. Um, you know, maybe they, they should have done it in a different way. Maybe you don't uh, you know, make contact that's going to get you suspended. But you have to defend your teammate You know, if there's going to be some sort of, of – altercation or roughing that that is going to put somebody else one of your teammates possibly in an injury situation yeah I agree with that I I feel like I did know though that a a goalie leaving the crease was was a a penalty I don't remember where that came from I want to say probably watching the Rangers or something in passing but um yeah, I think um, I agree with Kyle. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, 
hockey is a physical game and um, you're always going to want to protect your players. And there's some chirping and stuff that I, I again, I want to talk on the W side. Um, so not seeing the game, it's hard for me to, um, to comment, but I think it's admirable to stand up for your, your teammates. And usually it's the goalie that's being protected. They're usually in a vulnerable situation if they're trying to cover the puck or make a play. Um, so to see a goalie kind of standing up for their teammates, again, not, not having, having seen the play myself. Um, and um, I, I would just add that to the conversation that it's kind of cool to know that your teammates have your back. However, it seems like things got a little out of hand and you got to remember that there's still a game to play and you put your your team in a really bad position if multiple people are taking penalties um, and and the game is just out of control. Yeah, and it looks like in that second league, I think that's why the league had to go with uh, the game misconducts for Saunders Mm -hmm. and Knox is this happened right at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. There wasn't that opportunity to um, to kind of keep people off the ice to to quell it at the end of the game, and what they didn't want was something some retaliation next right. game or some issue the next game, which unfortunately we saw in the NWHL last year when things weren't handled this way and and penalties weren't uh, assigned that probably should have been. So mm-hmm. I commend the CWHL for for taking action the way they should have. And yeah, I'll put this on you. The rapid response are you with that as well? The you know the very next game instead of waiting after the series and, and the next series to suspend a player, you're saying, hey, no, we didn't like how this happened. Um, you're not going to play this very next game. Yeah, I think you have to. As Kyle said, you you definitely have to um, to to quell it and and to stop the bleeding, so to speak, um, and just remind players that they are expected to be professional. I think as a, as a player. Um, you know, you can take that any number of ways, but again, you have to know that if you're going to get into it, if you're going to, you know, mix it up, so to speak, that there are going to be repercussions and, and you have to think about, um, where your team is positioned. Maybe this doesn't matter so much just because of where we're at in the season, but, as a team, you have to find ways to be able to have someone at least to be the, the voice of reason and, and just, Honestly, um, as professional athletes, even getting it, uh, getting under someone's skin, chirping someone, or getting in their face, that's all strategy. And so I think you got to remember that and um, just make sure that you're using it appropriately. Sometimes you need to get aggressive and let people know they're not going to be able to push you around, but you also have to do that, again, within the context of the game and your season. Absolutely. That's, that's a great point. You know, I think that's exactly why Liz Knox kind of took exception to it in particular, because, you know, all night she's getting these extra hits after the whistle mm-hmm. and some, 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 some of her own players getting pushed into her own net, you know, so I, mm-hmm. I was able to watch the game for the most part. And, and you can tell that that frustration takes place in a lot of sports, not, not just hockey, but, and that's kind of at your point, EA is knowing that, you know, your sisters have your back on that one. And, and you know, no matter what, when you see a goalie come out of their crease, you always hope for some excitement, and Liz Knox provided that. Unfortunately, in the next game, um, it, it kind of took took its toll on, excuse me, on Brampton as Kelly Terry of the Furies scored 24 seconds into the first period, and in Toronto, I mean, excuse me, Brampton, the, the Thunder could not take themselves out of that early hole 
falling in that second game 4-1. to one. So these two teams split, obviously rivals, obviously two teams in the mix for the playoff spot later in the season, um, most likely for seeding purposes. But before we move on to the NWHL, both your thoughts on, on as we move forward and getting into this holiday break, uh, where are these teams in the playoff picture for you two? Well, I mean, I, unfortunately, I think we know the top four. Um, you know, when you look at the the standings, there's just not time, there's not room. <clears throat> sorry for the uh, for the blades to make a comeback here and, and make it in. So, so I think we know the top four. I think it's going to be a matter of, mm-hmm. especially next week with <clears throat> Calgary and Montreal going head to head, we'll get a little bit more clarity on one versus two. Uh, but I think you're still going to see those two, one, two, and and Toronto and Brampton, three, four, somewhere in there. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it. I think it's just a matter of you know as far as three, four. Um, again, <clears throat> now these teams have a little bit of bad blood. Um, who's going to stay composed? Who's going to play to the the game plan? And not only when they're playing each other, but throughout the season, um, because those kinds of things, those missteps, they can cost you. And maybe you get a necessarily want because um, you weren't able to to keep composure. Um, so I think it's going to be important for both teams to just buckle down and, and move forward. You got your frustration out and now you move forward. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, even on, on the physical part of that whole, you know, chaotic scene, those are things that you don't remember. If you're Brampton and, and you know, you're on home ice and you think about, Oh man, you know, we had to lose players to this or even on vice versa. If you're Toronto, um, those things come come back in the playoffs, and when it gets physical, you're gonna bring up these games from the regular season and say, "Hey, you remember that one?" So, um, I agree with both of you, though. I, I think we know the top two. It just again, it's gonna depend on seating, and you know, three and four, we know, and it's just gonna depend on seating. So, uh, but who knows? That I mean, we saw Toronto take down less Canadians. We've seen Calgary lose a couple of games this year. When it comes to the playoff time. Anything can happen. And we saw, as EA talked about, the physicality and some chirping going on in some NWHL games this weekend. EA, you are at the Buffalo Buttes and New York Rivers game. Um, tell us your thoughts about it and, again, mention what you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So first, let's just, uh, you know, cut to the the punchline. This is the Buffalo Beats defeating the New York Riveters um, in Newark at a score of five to three. New York did not start well, and Buffalo came out guns blazing, which I think was surprising. Maybe not so much as far as the Riveters. They've had trouble in the opening twenty minutes, sometimes even the opening ten minutes uh, of a match, whereas the Buttes team that that really can burn you in the third period but they came out with some fire uh we saw the power play was really not um working particularly well for um either team um and some some early mistakes but we see it's um Devin Skeets and uh and yeah Jackie Greco who score in the first within a minute of each other almost exactly to get uh Buffalo up Two nothing early. Uh, Alexa Grushchow got a power play goal um, to get the New York Riveters back in it, and then we see the Riveters, uh, Madison Packer, and her line tied up in the second. However, Emily Falzer, with her first goal of the season, um, gets the Buffalo Buttes 
uh, on top before the end of the second period. And then it was Dark Angelo and a Bozek blast. Oh, my gosh. It was a beautiful goal. It was absolutely beautiful. That ultimately ended up being, um, you know, the coffin for the Riveters. Uh, Katie Fitzgerald, the five goals. Um, so not what we've seen from her. Um, but what I wanted to talk about as far as chirping going off of the, the last game that we talked about for the CWHL is there was a point in the game where Rebecca Russo, right up against the birds in front of the Buttes uh, bench, and something happened. And I was speaking to another writer who said that someone from the Buttes bench um, presumably yelled something uh, as far as an instruction, maybe, you know, behind or watch or, you know, one of those things that you often hear on the ice. Um, And obviously that player was not on the ice. And this particular player who the other writer thinks it was, was not even in the game, didn't play in the game. Um, And then this particular player not only said this through off, but then kind of laughed about it. And, you know, when is taking, when is, uh, when is the point where you take gamesmanship too far, obviously distracting a player, um, I didn't particularly like that story. Talked to Russo a little bit after. She didn't get en- into any specifics, but did say that she was being chirped from the bench, and she was she was pretty ticked off about it. And and my question to you both is, you know, distracting a player when you're not even in the game. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Is that just trying to put your team in a good position, or is that going too far? I, I think that there is a, a point where it goes too far, and. And you're right. I think if it's come from the bench, I think that's something completely different. Now, if you and I are going for a breakaway, obviously you would be ahead of me because you're faster, EA. <laughs> um, if I'm yelling at you or if I'm hitting you on the side, you know, that that's one thing. But with something coming from the bench, um, you know, I, I, I do agree. I think that that might be a little too much. I mean, I think back to – I know this is a, a baseball reference, but I think back to Alex Rodriguez yelling at uh, the third baseman that he has it, he has it, he has it, and the third baseman drops it as, mm-hmm. as Rodriguez rounds the bases. You know, I, I think that the, those things are just they're, they're childish, they're immature, they're not really part of the game, and I don't right. think it should be a part of the game. All right, so I guess I guess I'm on my own little island on this one because I I actually love the the, the chirping. I mean, when you think about some of the greatest games that we've been able to see, there've been some some incredible matchups and some incredible talent and incredible athletes um, who don't always play nice. I mean, think about Candace Parker in that WNBA and WNBA finals. Um, she was tired of her critics, you know, and during every made bucket, you, you heard her chirping, you heard the bench kind of saying what they had to say on those, on those little sideline cams that ESPN has. Um, and I think, I think it adds something to the game. And yeah, you know, there is a point, I agree that you could take it too far. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that there's a part of it where you want to distract, you know, that's, that's mission accomplished. If you're on the bench and you know, your role is, is not going to get, you know, you're going to get like a couple of minutes of ice time, if that, then play your role on the bench. Don't just sit there and be quiet and cheer on your teammates. Then try to distract players. Try, try to, to get your team an advantage somehow. Yeah, and I, I hear that, and I'm here for it. 
but there's a difference between encouraging your team and yelling things, even profanities like, yeah, get the F out of my space, stuff like that. That stuff happens. Trust me. I was one of those players. I'll throw an elbow. I'll drop my shoulders. No problem. <laughs> Here's the problem that I do have, though. If you are, are again, not in the play, um, and this has happened even in my, my women's beer league, um, you know, you're not in the play. and You're calling out something where that's usually used as a direction to keep people safe. And you have that person stop and then they get hit. They get blindsided. That's extremely dangerous. Number one, unnecessarily so. And number two, I think it is extremely poor sportsmanship. And number three, you're not even giving that person the opportunity to one-up you. The best players, I love players like I, I've said that I believe on the podcast. I do not like how Megan Duggan plays on the ice as far as she is that kind of Candace Parker player. She plays aggressively. She gets calls to go her way, and she just gets under your skin. I think Madison Packer is that way for a lot of people. But there is a difference between being aggressive, playing your aggression, and owning up to it, taking this as well as giving them as opposed to what I feel is really stepping out of bounds, being, as Kyle said, extremely childish and putting another player in a really bad position. Uh, I don't think there's any room for that. And it's kind of, you know, I feel like it's kind of a punk. It's, it's a punk move. You know, you're being a coward. You're not even, you know, in a situation where you can defend whatever you're doing um, because you're not in the game and, and you want to play that. No, stay focused on your team. And then to laugh about it, allegedly, I don't know if this really happened. I'm just saying what I heard and giving this as a scenario. I don't know. That That's just, mm, that doesn't sit right with me. I don't like that. Give me like a Duggan, give me a Skylar Diggins all day. Because you know what? Even if they are talking and they're running their mouth, they, they're scoring. They're setting their, their players up. They might get uh, a little heated and stuff, but I, I've never seen and I've never heard or read that they're the kind of player that would intentionally distract a player um, in a way that's outside of what is traditional gamesmanship. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think, I just think it's over the line and, and uh, you know, let the players play and if you yeah. Then go out on the ice and prove it. Exactly. You know, like you said, I don't mind if Duggan's doing it. I don't mind if Candace Parker's doing it. They're doing it on the mm-hmm. on the floor or on the ice and proving uh, capable of backing up the talk as well. Exactly. Exactly. I, 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 I get that. And EA, to your point, I, I agree. When when it's something when it's something that can hurt, you know, or, or cause injury. 100% on board with you. And, and Kyle brought up the great example in baseball. We, you know, I'm a, I, I coach youth baseball. And one of the things that I saw, you know, when I first started coaching was players trying to distract other players from making plays. And, yeah. you know, I'm all for the bench maybe kind of, you know, making a noise or something. But if you're, if you're getting close to somebody and you, you, you're kind of at the risk of making them get hurt severely – I'm not about that, and, and I'm with you on that. That's a great point. So I just want to I want to separate that. But I'm also of of that notion of, you know, you can't control if you're getting ice time or not. You know, yeah, maybe maybe she should be a little more talented or or whatever, and and fight for more ice time. But you know, she can't control that. That's up to the coach. So 
again, if you're a bench player in any sport, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to kind of give your team an advantage? And, again, taking the injury part out of it, because I agree with that, but uh, just the, the trash talking, the point where, you know, you don't get to play. Let's talk about those players. Listen, I'm all, like I said, I'm here for trash talk. I, you know, I'll, I'll be like, you're a piece of crap. You ain't, you ain't getting by me. That's different than saying, watch out, watch out, watch out knowing damn well nothing is coming towards that player. That is completely different for me. You know, that's, that's taking it a little too far. You know, you, you're stopping the play. That would be akin to, you know, this might be an extreme example, but if you happen to be a bench player and you, you bring a whistle and you start blowing a whistle so the other team thinks that, you know, a referee or someone has stopped the play and that actually isn't the case. I think that's taking it too far. And from what I heard, that it was more in line with, you know, using that advantage. And again, in hockey, it didn't have anything to do, <laughs> put it this way, uh, there, there, there are situations where it has nothing to do with your skill, especially at this elite level, whether you're playing or not. Maybe you're just, uh, for example, if we were talking baseball, you're in a pitching rotation and it's just not your game. You know, it's not that you're not a starter. You're just not today's starter. Um, so it's more in that context. And I and, and even if it wasn't, I think it has nothing to do with bench player, elite, uh, or, you know, elite all-star type player. I think you respect your opponent enough to give them your best, which also means that you have to respect them enough to want them to play their best. Because the the competitors, the real competitors, they don't want Michael Jordan with the flu. They don't want Candace Parker with a sprained knee. They want her 100% so they can slay and know that they beat him, they beat her at their best. And when you're doing stuff like that, you're not allowing people to play at their best. I hear you, EA, 100% hear you, but, but you're also yelling miss or, or, or brick, and, and when they shoot it, you say, hey, damn, like they made it. No, but, but that's, still not, try, that's not, right? no, 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 but players don't no? do that. Okay. Players don't right, do that. Right. You hear that in the stands. If anything, <laughs> a player might say short, a, 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 you know, short, 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 or, you know, something yeah. like that as okay. in the, they can see that that is not, but you don't, you don't do, no, that's not, it's not the same. It's not the same <laughs> for you to be chirping. Like you're in the stand. That's I find it. I find it really uncalled for, you know? All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. And Kyle, we'll get your last thoughts on this, on this topic before we move on to, uh, to the game. I I mean, my last thoughts are uh, on EA on my team and not on the other team, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm an enforcer for sure. I guess so. <laughs> I don't I don't like it when people mess with my people. Yeah, <laughs> right. we, we gotta remember that once we get a, a company athletic team, we'll, we'll have we'll have some great some great athletes on there. So it should be great. Um, but all right, let's get let's get back to the games. We uh, we have a couple more things to get to. Um, so that was the first of two games for the Riveters. Buffalo had the weekend off after playing New York and defeating them 5-3. to three. But Boston played Connecticut, the team that also traveled up to New York to play the Rivers on Sunday. But, Kyle, you were at the Pride and Whale game. This was, this was actually a fun game, although the score doesn't show it. This was pretty, this was pretty fun. Yeah, this, this score definitely doesn't show it. I mean, this is a game that was uh, 
3-2, and, and the the whale continued to attack and continued to, to be in the game until two minutes to go in the game. So um, the, the whale really came out on fire in this game and uh, really attacked in the first period and definitely outplayed the pride in the first period. Um, now looking back you know, at some of the other statistics, that's not really a, a, a new thing. The pride really started great this year. Um, they're much better in the second and third period, uh, but they came out on fire and, and got a goal from, from Dana Trevino, uh, in the first period, punched it through, uh, got the goal, uh, from, from Lawrence, uh, who got the start over Ott for the game. Um, she, because of the back-to-back, uh, coach Bobby J decided to go with Slobodnik, but Slobodnik's still a good goalie too. She, already had a win under her belt earlier in the season. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of trying to find time for her when Ott's playing so well, you know, how do you say, okay, well, now I'm going to switch to the other goalie. But Slobodnik, in the end, ended up doing a great job uh, with this game. Uh, the Whale, again, continued. The the Pride did get the, the goal, did take the – did tie it back up. Uh, very shortly thereafter, took the lead to one – but the whale continued to fight, and Kelly Stack, 30 seconds after Julian Dempsey tied it back up at 2-2, and it stayed that way for about eight minutes. And uh, again, just back, great back and forth hockey. And uh, Decker was able to get a goal past um, past the Connecticut goalie, past Lundberg, um, yeah. to take the 3-2 lead. And it stayed that way again, great back and forth for that third period until the, the, the last two minutes. And Decker was able to get Dagger to make it 4-2 with uh, two minutes to go and then got the empty netter for the first home hat trick in the NWHL history. All mm. of the hats that have been on the road. Yes, including Megan Frodelman's at Buffalo last season. <laughs> just as an example. You know, just as That's an a great example. example. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey great, thing, great thing on Twitter I saw this past week was uh, a guy from BC Interruption that I know, uh, a good friend of mine, Grant Salonzo, asking for a New York Rivers Megan Fuddleman jersey um, because he wants to customize it, and they don't, they don't allow, allow them to customize them this year. So ah. very, very interesting. But Should he, have jumped uh, on it like I did. onto something there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I've got my Fartleman jersey, and uh, I also have (laughs) another retired, recently retired jersey, and that's Fritz Ward. Um, So, um, but before we get into the the last game of of the weekend for the NWHL, I do want to ask, Kyle, you were at the Boston game, and what's going on with Hillary Knight? Do we know officially, did she get injured again after the Four Nations Cup? That's a great question, and and I spoke with uh, team, uh, not team members, but uh, people who work for the team, um, and I and we asked that to Bobby J after the game as well, and there is no update, there is no mm-hmm. timetable, there isn't. All he said to, to me was that being healthier and doesn't have and she'll be back, and it really it really raises some question marks when. She did play in the Four Nations Cup, but now she's back and she's at the game, but yet she's playing. 
Um, yeah, I don't. So. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that because I think she played. She's only played one game officially this season. I believe she scored a goal and had an assist in that game. And then um, the the game in Buffalo, I suppose, which was right after the salary cuts were announced, if I'm not mistaken, and and someone please let me know if I am mistaken. I believe she was a healthy scratch for that game. Now, when it comes to New York, we knew that Burke and Kessel were going to be out and they've been scratched from the lineup for a while. Um, however, Hillary Knight was listed as, as a, a traditional scratch as opposed to a healthy scratch for that. So I was just curious um, to hear what the update is, and knowing also that Team USA and Team Canada have a game uh, later this this month, I think, in like a week, actually. I'm, I'm just curious to see how that's going to uh, fall into play there. Yeah, I think it's a very uh, questionable thing that's going on. I'm not really sure. Um, again, like you said, it, she she seems to be okay. She's she's walking around. She's at the games, um, but but yet she's not playing. And and I don't know if it's just that they want to get her to 100 percent before right. she plays, right? Or does this have to do with some of the uh, pay cuts and and some of those issues? Right. Yeah. I, I and... just don't know. I mean getting me from team USA as well. So mm-hmm. does she need the extra money or, or, or is she afraid of being more injured? I'm not really sure. Right. And I guess we'll have to see um, what happens when that roster comes out um, and do want to give some updates from players. That I was able to speak to uh, regarding the, um, the salary cuts from uh, obviously New York, but also Buffalo. But first, let's go into what I, without bias, do truly believe was the game of the weekend. This was an exciting game. Um, You have Boston played at home, defeated the Connecticut Whale 5-2. Similar score, New York losing at home to Buffalo 5-3. The two teams who anyone who's watched cross ice pass pass, excuse me, for more than 2.5 seconds uh, knows that there is a rivalry that is brewing between the Boston Pride and the New York Riveters. So they come together. Sojun Shin gets the start for the third time. She's only ever started against Boston and was pulled in both of those games. So lots boiling up, not to mention Morgan Fritz Ward, number 11. It's her last game of her career, of her professional career. For now. Um, so so lots of storylines coming into the game. No Amanda Kessel. No Hillary Knight. What's going to go down? Well, I'll tell you what went down. A 3-2 win for Boston shootout style. They get the first two goals within the first four minutes. My, one of my favorite love-to-hate players, Megan Duggan, completely <laughs> just collected right on the doorstep and beat Shin. And then Alex Carpenter, my goodness, a shorty, just completely fooled Shin, got her uh, you know, upper, upper shelf just slung it right by her. So Shin's in a hole, 2 nothing in the first. Then, again, for anyone who watches Cross Ice Pass, uh, in Boston Pride fashion, off of the face-off, the, the New York Riveters were able to find Bray Ketchum, completely fooled Brittany Ott. And so now we have a 2-1 game going into the first period. Now, we talked about this earlier. Boston is known to really get hot in the second period. So, of course, New York fans get a little nervous 
um, not knowing what to expect. However, it was the Riveters that would score again in the second period. The Boston Pride did not score at all in the second period. So now we're tied going into the third. It remains that way going into overtime. It remains that way. We go into a shootout. And unfortunately, I believe out of three shots, the only person who got a shot on frame for New York was uh, Kaylee Fratkin. But Brittany Ott was all over that, makes the glove save. Sojun Shin comes up huge after those first two goals. She was hot. However, it was Zoe Hickel who was able to put it away. And again, the Boston Pride remain undefeated. Heartbreaker of a loss. Morgan Fritz Ward's last game. Did you feel, Did you catch any of this game, fellas? What were your thoughts? Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this was an unbelievable game. I mean, any opportunity that you have to not only play hockey, then to go to overtime, then to go to the shootout, I, I, I love the shootout. I, I'm one of the the hockey fans that when they went to the shootout, I thought it was a great idea in hockey uh, to determine. <laughs> in hockey, not soccer. In hockey, not in <laughs> soccer. Um, because I think that it's a great way to to finish the game. I want to see a winner uh, in hockey. So um, I, I think it was it was an awesome game. And, and the, the pride just did not did not offensively overwhelm the Riveters like they have in in other games. And I think that's a, a real testament to the Riveters' defense in this game and, and to end and Shin on this. Agreed. Yeah. I, I mean, this this was, like you said, EA, probably one of the best games of the year, to be honest. I mean, to go no, to a be shootout bad. with yes. this. <laughs> so, the best game of the year. And, you know, to go to a shootout with right going into the weekend, uh, the top two teams in the league, you you kind of expected this, and you wanted to see the Riveters kind of get the measuring tape of where they are with the pride. And um, just think about a game with Fitzgerald on her game playing. You know, I mm-hmm. think you said it perfectly. Uh, Shin got the start, and she's gotten a lot of starts where she's gotten pulled. So this was sort of a redemption, and I was really happy for her just to get that. And you saw her excitement on Twitter after uh, as well. So that's awesome for New York to see how, how far they've come. But it also yeah. shows you that Boston, you know, they have some weaknesses. Yeah, I think, you know, the Riveters, they've had to come from behind. And, and as a franchise, you know, that's something that the team is used to. But I thought there was just so much fight. This was an intense game. Neither team let up, you know, ever. Um, neither team let up. And um, I thought – given that no one scored, you know, into the third and in overtime, I, I think it was just an exciting game. I was surprised, you know, that, that the teams could even stand up for the, or, you know, on their skates, upright on their skates going into the shootout because the energy was so intense. There were moments where in the Barnabas Health Hockey House, it was silent, not because it wasn't an exciting game, but you were afraid to breathe too loud lest you miss something. There were so many amazing plays. Um, and, you know, I've talked a lot about Brittany Ott um, not getting a lot of shots on goal. And I've also talked about the Riveters needing to get more shots on goal. There were times going into particularly in the third where they were going you know shot for shot um officially we see that boston had 35 shots on goal new york riveters 28 so jung shin had a 0.943 save percentage where Brittany ott had a 0.929 save percentage um so 
I mean, this was just a, a clash of the of the absolute titans. And speaking to Shin after the game, you know, she was disappointed that she couldn't hold on, you know, for for a little bit longer for her team, uh, knowing that it was an emotional night. Fritz Ward retiring, coming off of a tough loss. But I, I, I asked her, I said, you know, knowing that you've been pulled from games before against Boston, giving up those early goals, what what got you back into the game? And she said, you know, I, I, essentially what she was saying is I was frustrated, you know, but I had to find a way to work through it. And she definitely did that. Um, I mean, it was just lights out. And it wasn't as though, you know, um, it, it, again, this is Boston. They were giving it to her. There were times where, you know, a few unlucky bounces on Boston side, crossbar hit, ping, you know, uh, things, you know, goal going off the moorings and, you know, um, Jordan Smelker just missing being able to slam it home. I, this was exciting. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be – well, everyone makes the playoffs, but all I know is if these two teams see each other in the playoffs, whether it's in the first round or in the final, and they play like this and we get some of those injured players back, oh, baby, it's going to be exciting. Well, and as you said, like their legs were still pulling after all of that. Not to mention they had just – both teams had right. just played the day before. Exactly. So for them to still be fighting all the way through this game was absolutely amazing. And it's just it, – again, it's a, a true testament of, of athletes that are on both of these teams. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Kyle, in your article today for the Pride recap, you talked about Slobodinik talking about what it meant for her to give up those goals and kind of turn it around. And we saw Shin, you know, minus those two, that two-minute, that, yeah, little two-minute period in that first uh, frame, I think she played probably a lot better than Ott did. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's so much to be said about the mental game, especially mm-hmm. of a goalie. Yes. And uh, she certainly was able to, you know, kind of just cool herself, calm herself down, and stay within this game and, and – you know, as EA said, she's been pulled in, in games before. So that's on her mind as well. And she didn't let that stop her. She didn't Not at all. She didn't have that in her mind. She just went out there and tried to be the best goalie she could be. And, and I think she was, yeah, absolutely, she was the best on that night. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, though, that you bring up, Lewis. We could also say the same thing about Levier the night before. She gets the start. Uh, you know, she, uh, she did get the win against New York in that, that second game um, in the back-to-back in Buffalo, but she's also been pulled a lot. And I love how this year the coaches and the GMs Letting these women play, my goodness, especially in goal. Uh, you know, Levier gets the start. Uh, we're, we see a back and forth in Buffalo. We see a back and forth in New York. We see a back and forth in Boston. And I just think that this is showing, again, we we already know what happened with the, the, the postseason awards last year. It was a clean sweep by Boston. But I think what some of us, why that made some of us upset is that we're starting to see, well, first, let's, let's be honest the the play and the competitiveness and the the skill level has definitely increased from one season to another but now we're seeing teams play around with things and this is so exciting it's absolutely exciting we have teams that are also um you know they're dressing 
practice players because of injury and for the, the competition to still be this heightened. And we're, we're still getting into it. We're not even, you know, I, I wouldn't even say we're really midway yet. So I just think this bodes well, which really means that I hope the league can figure out some things. As I mentioned, spoke to a few players. Uh, it does seem like, um, with the exception of Boston, I, I didn't speak to a representative from Boston, but it does seem like, at least on the Buffalo side in New York, that the league has spoken to the players. Uh, from Madison Packer, we heard that the league and the players have come to an agreement. There is going to be more transparency between the players and the league. However, any agreements that they've decided on, they have also agreed both parties to keep that confidential. No addendums have been signed. Um, so presumably they're operating under some kind of an agreement. Um, and, you know, we're hearing that there might be some things in the works as far as uh, fundraising. We see that the Connecticut Whale, who will have their first home game of the season this weekend on Saturday, uh, they're opening availability for people to host parties where whale players are are, are are there and other things like that. I think we'll start seeing that, whether it's clinics or fundraisers and stuff like that. Um, but again, when you see such great hockey, you really want to see the league be successful, one, because of the product, but then also, you know, it's tough. We heard stories such as um, players having to, to move back home. Harrison Brown, he confirmed that um, although he thought that's what he was going to have to do, he was able to make it work. But there are other people, obviously, Morgan Fritz Ward. She had the opportunity to uh, go back to school. Retirement was something she was going to have to think about after this season anyway. But when the when the cuts come and you're paying what, what we pay here in New York, she made a choice to to pursue other options. Um, so I don't know, fellas, that's that's kind of the wrap up what I'm hearing from players. But where do you stand when it comes to what we know uh, as far as where the NWHL is? I think the same from people as well. And and it's just a, a case of, as you said, trying to make it work for themselves. And, you know, there there's a lot of players that we may see more those practice players who won't get as much uh, opportunity to play in games be able to play. Because if, let's say, they are back home and they can't make it to Buffalo mm -hmm. for a game because they live in Maine or in New Hampshire, then they might not be traveling with the team for that, for that mm -hmm. weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it's it's like you, EA. I'm hoping for the best, you know, because there are so many talented athletes in this league, and you know, who I personally just admire for for doing what they do. And uh, it's incredible to see it as a fan. It's it's better to do it as a journalist, um, mm -hmm. and it's 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 really fun. And to see it go away would, you know, for me, it crush me. Uh, honestly, just being being real about it because we kind of grew up with the NWHL. We kind of were there when they first talked about it and yeah. followed it through. And um, it's, it's hard to see players like Fritz Ward leave. It's hard to see Farrell oh, yeah. not be able to come back. Um, you know, and, you know, I grew up watching Alex Carpenter. So to, to see her have to leave a professional league would be like, whoa, like, no, this, this is terrible. So I'm hoping for the best. Yeah. And I'm hoping – I'm glad that there's no addendum signed because I think the players deserve to kind of have the upper hand here um, mm -hmm. in this whole good faith kind of uh, contract that they have unsigned, I guess, um, is, is what I like because now the players get to control it. 
uh, a little more than they did before, and I, I think that's going to be huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely, and that, that's something that Ashley Johnston stretched um, said as well. And I think you also make a good point. You know, there's people that grow up um, watching these women through the NCAA, uh, you know, different tournaments and teams. And uh, if this weekend was any indication, it's only going to get better. I mean, let's talk about what happened on the NCAA side. (laughs) Absolutely. Great transition there, EA. We had incredible matchups, two top five matchups with Wisconsin. Number one, Wisconsin, uh, going up against number two, Minnesota, the defending champions. And number three, St. Lawrence, going up against number five, Clarkson. Clarkson, a team that won the national championship a couple years prior uh, and looked to have, you know, are, are looking to be one of the, the best teams in the country as well. So let's start with that Wisconsin, uh, the border battle between Wisconsin and Minnesota. In game one, the Gophers take it 2-0, to zero, an incredible matchup there. And then game two, a, a very different story here as Wisconsin, the Badgers find their offense and score eight goals on two of the Gophers' goalies uh, to win that matchup and split the series between both teams. They remain where they are in the rankings uh, as of this morning. So uh, there's a lot to take from here. So, Kyle, what are you thinking? Is it more of a a big statement for Wisconsin, or do you see Minnesota still has the upper hand in this matchup? Well, I, I think what we saw last year and what we know of Wisconsin, they are a defensive team that can shut down a great offense. And, unfortunate, well, fortunately, what they were able to do in game two was shut down Minnesota enough that they were able to put goal in and win that game pretty handedly. If, if they're going to score offensively like that, they're going to be the team to beat. If they're going to just be a team that doesn't allow, then they're not going to be able to do it. And unfortunately that was game one versus game two. And, you know, Minnesota is a stop team. But we have to remember that Minnesota did lose some huge pieces last year. And and I don't just mean scoring from Amanda Kessel, but I, I do mean goaltending from Amanda Leve as well. And, and for them to win the first game, that was huge to shut down the strong Wisconsin Badger team. And, and you know, you you got to believe that Minnesota felt great going into game two. Unfortunately, when you have a, a player like Sarah Nurse who can mm-hmm. dominate the game, My and she doesn't always, but she did in this game. Um, you know, it, it's tough to beat any team with with a firepower like that. And EA, your thoughts? I mean, when you think about the WCHA, we've talked all along about how powerful the conference is, and when you see two games like this, I mean. What are your thoughts? Obviously, that second game could have been a fluke. We might not see something like that again in this series in a long time. But what are your thoughts about these two teams battling at it? I mean, I I think rivalries, we love rivalries, especially when they're clean rivalries, no inappropriate chirping. Just had to put that out there (laughs) one more time for good measure. Um, No, but seriously, a good rivalry, you got to love a good rivalry. And the WCHA is full of rivalries. I mean, again, uh, these, the teams that are playing in that conference are, are synonymous with women's hockey um, in particular. Um, So I think, but again, we talk about it all the time, regardless of, of what, um, 
of what sport we're playing about, we're talking about, excuse me, um, you know, and on any given day, if, if you're not focused, if you allow people to get under your skin, that's going to impact, um, that's going to impact the outcome. And so was it that, was it that people were tired? Were people losing their focus? Who knows? But, you know, you, you got to be able to, to buckle down. And so while it's, sometimes unfortunate to see lopsided games it's also a part of the game and now it's going to be how these teams bounce back and don't you think minnesota is going to remember this as they head into the wcha tournament if they see wisconsin again do they come back with a revenge on their mind or do they come back with oh no they can beat us eight to two well, I mean, I think it can go either way. It depends, you know, what's going to motivate you. Is it like, oh, you know, not, not never again? Um, or is it we have to never again, but we also have to remember what happened last time, you know, because if, if, we're, not, if we're not focused, then this can easily get out of hand. So I think it kind of keeps you honest, to be honest, to be honest, <laughs> to and to also be redundant. Um, <laughs> you know, you ha- you have to play, you have to play your game, and you have to bring your game every single time. Yeah, that's so that's, that's a great um, point. And you know, go ahead, Cal. I was just going to say that sounds honestly honest to me. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> well, well played, well played. Well, and I think when you think about these two teams, and this has always been the criticism of the NCAA tournament, is that when you talk about a team like Wisconsin having to play a team like Minnesota, and they have to play each other in the semifinal because based on their geographical location – do you think we'll see an end to that this year when the committee comes together? I hope so. I mean, what would you rather see? Would you rather see the best two teams play in the semifinals or the best two teams play in the final? So I, I hope so. Mm. You know, and I go back and forth. I'm just thinking what's happened um, on either side, men's or women's, to college basketball. Oh, my gosh. Tearing up these conferences primarily because of football has ruined. I will never forgive whomever made the decision to absolutely ruin the Big East. Um, and, you know, I, I get, I get you know, what you're saying, the excitement of the final, but let's also, to take a page out of Gino's book, um, you know, then maybe everyone else just has to kind of be ready for that. And you're not guaranteed a spot in the final. Uh, so if you want to if you want to get to the final, you got to get through some of the best, and that's just how the cookie crumbles. And um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I'm very leery of of cutting up conferences and things of that nature because of how teams are performing now. Yes, there's a likelihood that these teams are going to continue to perform, but what's the incentive then to make all of the other programs continue to up their game? Uh, and then you have lopsided conferences all over again, and then we have to do this all over again. I don't know. I like rivalries. I like local rivalries. I think those are good for the sport. And sometimes, yeah, they they really stink. But when they're on, oh, man, that's a a loyal fan base. And if we're talking about viewership and butts in seats, that's good for the game. Absolutely. And you talk about Kyle, that Minnesota offense, Kelly Panic, uh, Danny Cameronessi. I mean, 
these players, when we're talking about their futures, Kamenesi is going to, I think, she, I believe she's a draft pick in the NWHL. Yep. Um, so we think about these players, and, and to your point, EA, seeing them grow up in that college game uh, and looking forward to what they do next, that, that's kind of what gives me the chills. Is, you know, these are, these are phenomenal athletes that we get to see and cover on a collegiate level, but they, they aren't really nationally known. And, you know, obviously our job here is to do that. But, again, when they don't get that recognition, um, mm-hmm. it's tough. And this border battle, you know, game one wasn't on TV, but game two was. And when people watch an 8-2 game, some people might be turned off of that. So when you're thinking about going into the tournament, what can we do better, not only us as, as Mighty B Sports, but networks to kind of promote these games? I mean, we saw St. Lawrence tie Clarkson 3-3 and then a fall 4-1. That's three versus five. And, I mean, how many people knew about that matchup? Uh, Minnesota mm-hmm. Duluth, they had a tough game, too, against St. Cloud's 3-2 game. Uh, maybe not Boston College this week. They, they kind of pummeled uh, Providence 8-0. But even Northeastern against Vermont, a New England game, that wasn't on TV. North Dakota versus Ohio State, big-time hockey schools, that wasn't on TV. Um, so, you know, so I guess my question to you guys is what do we do next? What, what's, what's the next step to promote the, the, the college game to, to help promote the professional game? Well, you know, let's cross-promote, and I think an easy setup here is uh, the Nurse family. So we go from NCAA hockey, where Sarah Nurse is is killing it, Rookie of the Month, I believe, for November, and then we see Kia Nurse, again, we talk about UConn, Um, you know, they are a team that is unbeaten, however, lost their number one ranking uh, this week. Uh, So what's up with that, you know? Um, And again, that goes to what's happening in women's basketball. I think it is because a lot of people are looking at what South Carolina is doing, looking at what Maryland is doing, and they're questioning whether UConn, this lineup, is the number one team in the nation. And right now, they're not. Well, and and I would argue – that the uh, the votes came very 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 close there, and uh, you know I, I almost think that they shouldn't be, uh, but they are number one. They just uh, today it got changed again, and they are number oh, one. Yeah, that. they they beat out Notre Dame by two votes. I mean it was ridiculously close, and yet I don't see why they moved ahead of Notre Dame because Notre Dame was number one, and and Notre Dame is still undefeated. So I, I well, mean I understand yeah. that I understand that UConn beat ranked people and so looks like they're they're doing well but they beat ranked people that are in the the 14 range in the higher ranges they didn't mm. beat you know a south carolina or uh, or maryland or like you said some of these other teams that are going to be there at the end of the year when we really need to talk about who's the best of the best and and this uconn team is not what it's been the last four years I think that the writers just got overzealous with mm. giving UConn the respect that they've gotten over the past four years, and so we're going to move them up to number one. Well, why don't we hold up a little bit and wait and see what UConn does against a South Carolina or if they get to play a Notre Dame or, a, or some of these other teams that, that really are going to challenge them this year. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And, you know, I I go back and forth on that because I hear what you're saying. Um, However, how much does that legacy matter? 
you have four straight titles. No one's been able to strip UConn in the last four seasons, not to mention the ongoing record that Gino has had. So when a team is still undefeated, 7-0, and and they have a history, they have a legacy, they have all the makings of a team that is expected um, and has pretty much met that expectation year after year after year, you know, maybe that does make a difference. But, you know, maybe, again, it's just um, creating, uh, you know, it's, it's pouring more fuel on this boiling fire in women's NCAA basketball. I don't know what's going to happen this year because we, we have mentioned it on this podcast. We're all UConn fans, but I don't think any UConn fan is having any delusions that this UConn team is what it was last year. But we've said that about UConn teams of the past. And there's something about Gino. There's something about that program that's able to bring it through. But I like what I'm seeing out of Maryland. I like what I'm seeing out of South Carolina. And these are teams and Notre Dame, of course. Notre Dame in a little bit of a different pool just because I think that they've they've been an elite team for a while. But Maryland trying to make it to the top. South Carolina trying to, um, you know, legitimize all the hype that they've been getting you know and so what does what does the the weekend and and how I should say how does their performance this weekend play into that and I mean the good news is we're not going to have to wait very long to find out because in two days on on Wednesday we get to see UConn head and take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish at mm. 7 o'clock on ESPN2. So when, when, Lou, to get back to your question, how do we help promote these college games so that way when we follow these players now into the – we'll talk about the WNBA. When we follow these players up, we've already seen them for multiple years. This is how. Go watch on ESPN2 this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Notre Dame, who arguably should be the number one team in the country – and UConn, who has taken over the number one because of mm-hmm. what they've done for the past four years, we'll see who the best of the best is. Oh, Wednesday. baby. It's going to yeah. be awesome with a capital <laughs> A. All right. Well, just to play devil's advocate for a second before we move on from this basketball conversation, there's been a Here lot of talk goes. about UConn and their, and their past references and all this nonsense. <laughs> UConn defeated FSU, a top 10 team right now. UConn defeated then number two Baylor mm-hmm. by double digits. They defeated DePaul, a 15-ranked team. They just demolished Texas in the Jimmy Z mm-hmm. Classic, ranked 14th by almost 20 points. Yes, they do play Notre Dame, but Notre Dame has only played one ranked opponent, and that was Washington, and that was a nine-point game. All right? Ooh. Let's just throw that out there. Ooh, all right. Well, let, don't forget what Washington did last year. So, you know, you know. True, true. Yeah, true. Kelsey Plum. Hey, I'm a big Mitchell. fan of Kelsey Plum. Hey, Kelsey, Kelsey Plum was right. NCAA MVP. <laughs> Absolutely. She's coming. She's thirsty. Uh, some some other scores to get note of before we move on. Number three, South Carolina lost to unranked Duke. Uh, big win for the Blue Devils. Trying to get, like, as the EA mentioned, back to to prominence, Duke used to be a great uh, program. They've kind of fallen off the past couple of years. Big win for their program. But South Carolina only drops to six, so they, they remain in that top seed race. And another big upset, Oral Roberts defeats Oklahoma uh, mm-hmm. in overtime. That was a, a huge Ooh. game as well for Oral Roberts. All right, let's get right into NCAA College Cup action. Um, mm-hmm. This was incredible. 
I was able to watch a lot of these games, EA and USC West Virginia. Now, uh, I did say whoever won Duke versus West Virginia would win the championship, and although that didn't happen, I am <laughs> I'm so proud of those those Mountaineers. You you have to give them credit. I mean, making it to their first College Cup, making it to the finals of that College Cup. Unfortunately, they fell to USC, who won their second national championship by a score of three to one. Uh, EA Morgan Andrews, she's going somewhere in the NWSL next year. This mm. she's going to be one of those players we we are going to watch and we're going to drool because this is she's so oh, talented. Man. Who has the Who has the number one pick this year? Oh dear! Is it? Are you sure? Because I don't know. There's been a lot of the breakers are not. There's known been a lot for, of trades, but I think. Yeah, we gotta. I gotta I, look I, at I that think list. We're still, I, <laughs> yeah, I think we still hold the number one pick. I'm pretty sure we still hold the number one pick. I'm pretty sure it's not the guy. So, didn't they actually but, trade and get, like, four yeah, other first-round like picks? Yeah, there's some. there was some craziness yeah. going on, which might have it's, explained yeah, the last few on. years. Yeah, but hopefully, I mean, this is a good year to, to have those, those number one picks. I mean, I've said it before the last few weeks. This has been an amazing soccer season and I was uh, a little emotional I was all in my feelings watching the Riveters play uh, Boston but I appreciated the tweets coming from the MyW Sports account um, for this one and you know uh, but you know we we're, we're talking about West Virginia but USC second national championship in program history first since 2007 um, you know this this team was able to to really push through and it's a team that in in a lot of other sports uh you always see as a contender more or less but i'm i'm not sure that people were really giving usc the respect that they deserved coming into the college cup i i absolutely agree with that ea i mean they were a two seed um, but, you know, they had a tough bracket, and once mm-hmm. some, some chaos kind of happened, it, it benefited them. Um, mm-hmm. And not only that, they proved themselves with that big win over Auburn. You know, a lot of people were saying, well, th- this is the second time they're playing Auburn. Auburn played them really tough that first time. This might be a turnaround game for the Tigers. But USC stood tall. You know, they came in and they fought in that matchup. And, I, I, I mean, I was impressed with it. Even in the semifinals, uh, a big win against, uh, you know, a Georgetown team that only lost twice. And mm-hmm. a Georgetown team that held possession in that first half. And, you know, until USC broke through, you couldn't really see a team taking that matchup yet. You thought it might go to PKs. Um, but, I, I, again, you're, you're 100% right. A lot of people knew West Virginia this year. They were number one. They were the number one overall seed in the tournament. They deserved to get here, and they should have gotten here, um, mm-hmm. especially after last year's letdown. But nobody expected USC. And it, it, you must be a USC fan if you did because um, – it, it was an incredible run, and the way they did it, you know, to, to do the shutout after shutout um, from Auburn against Georgetown and against one of the most potent offenses, um, you give up, what, one goal? It's incredible. You score three against a team that only gave up nine goals all season. I mean, USC definitely deserved it, and much credit to their goalkeeper, Sammy Jo Pudome. She, she's the Pac-12 goalkeeper of the year, but she made some huge saves uh, down the stretch and, and, and really one point blank save that would have made it two to two um, mm. and, and really just turned tide at the end of that game. Yeah. 
I mean, again, I can't speak enough about this class. I think it's going to be, and again, and, and another thing is, um, particularly for, I guess it would be the Big Ten Conference. You know, there's some of these young women who we didn't even get to see play because they were playing with the the, the women's uh, U20 team. Um, so uh, it's going to be an exciting, uh, you know, winter when we when we get to see that college draft. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, and. Uh, really exciting time. Again, congratulations to the uh, USC Trojans for winning their second pro- program national championship in soccer. Um, a really incredible feat, and we're going to see Katie Johnson. We're going to see Morgan Andrews. Remember those names during that draft, as EA mentioned, because they're going to go places, and uh, we're going to see them for a long time to come. Uh, EA, you you brought this up to us, and we haven't I, – I, excuse me, I haven't really had a chance to look at it, but – news coming out of the Canadian Women's Soccer League or uh, team. Yeah, absolutely. So we've spoken and have written about teams as Team USA was prepping for the Olympics, whether it was Colombia, Costa Rica, teams that were inspired by the equal play, equal pay conversation that has been uh, swirling around the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, Just really quickly, the U.S. Women's National Team and the USSF, United States Soccer Federation, are still in negotiations. They have until December 31, 2016. That is when the CBA ends. But in in the midst of these conversations, um, a lot of other federations have been looking to see what they do, not only for themselves, but for the sport. And so uh, Diana Matheson, um, you know, Erin McLeod, and a lot of the, uh, obviously, uh, Sinclair, um, a lot of these players that we get to see in the NWSL coming off of back-to-back bronze medals in the Olympics are now using their celebrity and their success to create a union. It is said to be the first uh, women's athletic union of its kind in Canada. Uh, This is uh, Diana Matheson speaking that when she's not in Washington, when she's not with the Canadian national team, you know, this is a young 30-something-year-old, again, Olympian, three-time Olympian, who has to, at 32, move home with her parents because through her federation and certainly in the NWSL, she doesn't make enough money to have a stable home given the travel that she's doing. And, and, uh, you know, it doesn't make much sense to, to buy a place or rent a place that you can't afford. So instead of doing that, she's, she's at home, Um, you know, and she wants to see the younger generation come up where they can earn a living so that they don't have to go home with their parents is what she said. Also, Erin McLeod said that there are times when she has to, where she doesn't know exactly what her male counterparts make, but she doesn't like thinking about it because she can, even without knowing exact facts and numbers, she knows enough to know that it's not equal. And it's something that really, you know, gets to her because again, team Canada, I honestly don't even know if they have a men's soccer team. That's how much I've never heard of them. And maybe I'm biased because, you know, I do watch the women's side more. But if someone told me that Team Canada didn't have a men's team, I'd believe them. Uh, So, again, these are women who have gold medals. They're performing at the highest level, arguably, in the NWSL, and they are being successful, but are living at home with their families. There is no 18-year-old professional soccer player that happens to be a man that is doing that. 
There is no 18-year-old professional soccer player who happens to be on a national team that has to do that. These are athletes that can afford to have their own space when they're coming home from college, when they're performing on their national teams, and that's not the case with women. So kudos to Team Canada for putting together a players' union for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's well said. Um, and, you know, you mentioned some of the great players, and and you talked about what the U.S. team meant to other nations, and I think that's a huge point. We talked about it with Colombia. We talked about it um, with South Africa and a whole bunch of other mm-hmm. nations, and I think it's huge to keep that going, to keep that conversation alive because, you know, there are teams like the women's team in Afghanistan that are getting mm-hmm. national attention and international attention, mm-hmm. and that's what we need. We need more teams like that to get that prominence and to be recognized. So some of the great players who are scared of playing or who can't afford to play say, hey, no, you know what, this is more affordable for me to do let me go and do it now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we also have some other news coming out of this time, the NWSL. Uh, Anson Dorrance, the head coach of North Carolina, is trying to get a team to of, of the NWSL into North Carolina. Obviously, North Carolina, a very huge soccer following and a great soccer state. EA, we, we heard about pro, uh, pro fast pitch expansion talks. We, we also heard about the National Women's Soccer League expansion talks. And, you know, the league has tried to keep it really, you know, under wraps, I should say. Um, Jeff Plush not not mentioning a lot about it when he's asked. But what are you hearing now? Well, you're hearing that, at the least, Anson Dorrance is saying that he is um, enthusiastic about being supportive of women's football or, or soccer in North Carolina. This is a 21-time national champion. Didn't make it to the College Cup this year. You, uh, that is UNC Tar Heels. However, um, and this is a quote that we get uh, for Jennifer Gordon, who I believe writes for the Equalizer. Um, and Anson is quoted as saying, I'm behind a franchise that's being reestablished in Cary, North Carolina in the NWSL. I don't think we will launch this year. I think we will launch next year. And trust me, I'm doing everything I can to encourage our owner to be part of this because I know it's going to be, it's going to, excuse me, impact very positively in my community and the community of kids that play locally, but hopefully nationally as well. So Anson does see North Carolina as a hotbed for soccer and is committed to doing his part to bring a professional team um, to North Carolina. I think another thing to watch is to see what's going to happen with Mia Hamm and company who have the new franchise in Los Angeles and to see if we'll see some expansion in that route as well. I mean, who who wouldn't want Mia Hamm involved uh, again in women's soccer? So I'm hoping that we'll get some news there as well eventually. <laughs> Always eventually. But, yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point. When you think about the colleges in North Carolina, I mean, mm-hmm. Elon, we'll throw that one out there. You think about Woo-hoo. North Carolina, you think about <laughs> Wake Forest, Duke, uh, so many great institutions that provide quality soccer players. Um, and it's going to be really fun. And then, as you mentioned, uh, our, our Monday motivation actually came from the Mia Ham. Um, so th- it's going to be really cool to see when it happens. Obviously, I think they've been keeping it you know, quiet because they don't want to tease something that they're not ready for. Um, But when it does happen, I think we are going to be in for a treat with some of the teams that come up. 
Yeah, I think so as well. And this comes into play also while we're getting other teases as far as national players who might be looking to play in Europe. So I don't know what's going on in in women's soccer. A lot of it is still speculation. But what it does sound like is people are excited to grow the game. Uh, And as we said, whether it's women's hockey, NCAA basketball, sometimes you need a little competition to get the best out of the product, to get the best out of the ownership, and definitely not only to get the best out of the players, but to give them the best opportunities. So uh, there might be some shakeups in the next few years. But um, hopefully it'll, it'll work out for the best, and we will see whether it's building more unions, expanding more teams, or even kind of sharing the wealth, so to speak, so that we do get to hear about some of the other Premier Leagues, whether it's in Australia, in France, in Spain, and um, really grow the game. Absolutely. And Kyle, I'll bring you in on this. A lot of expansion talks across the games. Uh, when you think about the NWSL, Obviously, we're big Breakers fans, but there's been a a kind of rapid growth, especially since uh, this past Olympics for soccer. And what are your thoughts on on these expansions? Again, I think you hit it right on. I think if there's going to be expansion, you got to look at where soccer is already, uh, you know, one of the four uh, sports, one of the sports that everybody is playing. North Carolina is one of those places where everybody says, oh, I'm going to North Carolina for a tournament, or, oh, I really want to go to North Carolina to play uh, college soccer. And the same can be said about California. We have no California team right now. Mm -hmm. So to Mm -hmm. be able to add something in either uh, San Diego or Los Angeles, somewhere in in California, that will just expand uh, the NWSL all the way across the country as well. I think that's just going to be an awesome idea no matter what. I want more soccer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. any last thoughts before we wrap up here? I would just say that both of those places, Los Angeles, North Carolina, are also huge for softball. So with softball returning to the Olympics, I'm excited to see what the expansion for professional uh, softball is going to look like. And Kyle, swing it over to you for the same last thoughts. I would put a softball team in every city in the country. That's just my opinion. <laughs> but, but, yes, I agree. You know, somewhere in the California area, somewhere uh, more teams in Florida, I think they can handle it with all the, the uh, softball that's being played in oh, Florida. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Absolutely. So, as always, we'd like to leave you with our Motivational Monday quote, as we mentioned this week from Mia Hamm, quote, unquote, or quote, somewhere behind – the athlete you've become, the hours of practice, the, and the coaches who have pushed you is that little girl who fell in love with the game and never looked back. Play for her, said V. Mia Ham. So, as always, we appreciate you listening in from wherever you are on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listening live right now. Follow us on social media at MyWSports as we bring you Motivational Monday, Top Player Tuesday, Women in History Wednesday, Throwback Thursday, and, of course, Friday Favorites. If you have any ideas for these days on social media, please let us know. Send us a message or DM us, uh, email us. Visit us on MyWSports.com. And, as always, give us a follow at MyWSports on social media. You can always make a donation at GoFundMe.com backslash MyWSports. Have a great week and tune in next week 
from Mighty View Sports, Sports Monday. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.